Welcome to GodPod. This is a podcast from St Paul's Theological Centre, based in St Melitus College, which is a community of people studying and teaching Christian theology here in the UK and around the world. Graham Tomlin, Mike Lloyd and the occasional guest join me, Jane Williams, in discussing God, life, theology, in fact, just about anything. to another edition of GodPod and uh, it's uh, very good to be here on Zoom as we all are living our lives on Zoom these days. So we're not present in person as most GodPods have been in the past but we are present to each other virtually. So uh, it's uh, me Graham Tomlin in my home in Twickenham um, with my large bookshelves behind me but you can't see those right now. Uh, We also have Jane Williams. Hello I have to say Graham I'm not living my whole life on Zoom. I, I actually, you know, eat and sleep and, you know, that kind of thing as well. But um, but the Thank most you. important part, obviously, the Godpod part, I'm living on Zoom. Very good. Jane, you're in Cambridge today? I am, yep. Good. And we have Michael as well. We do. And uh, I, I don't live my life on Zoom either. I live it mainly on Teams. Um, but, <laughs> I, but, I, but I've trans- had to transcend the need for eating. Yeah, good. Danny, you're in Oxford today, Mike. I'm in Oxford, I'm in my study, and uh, there are books behind me just to help people imagine should they wish to do such a thing. (laughs) And we are also delighted to have uh, Lucy Pepiat with us today. Hi, Graham. It's great to be with you guys today. Hi, Lucy. It's great to have you with us. And um, Lucy, you've been involved with um, heading up uh, Westminster Theological Centre for many... How many years have you been doing that now? Uh, 2012. Yeah, okay. came in, yeah. So quite a while, and I was teaching with them a bit before that from about 2010. That's right, yeah. And I remember the days when we started up what uh, eventually became St. Melitus, and we started up St. Paul's Theological Centre, and WTC was starting up at the same time, so yeah. we've got a bit of a sort of common history with that. But um, Lucy, it's great to have you with us. And uh, Lucy, for listeners who um, may have heard your name but uh, don't know much about you, do you want to say, say a little bit about yourself and your ministry and uh, what you've been doing recently? Uh, yeah, so I, well, mainly I am the principal of WTC and that does take up most of my time. Uh, I teach there as well in systematic theology and in spiritual formation, which um, I love. I love both those topics, really enjoy my courses um, and the students and engaging with them on those two topics. Um, I'm married to Nick Crawley and he is an ordained Anglican clergyman and we have a little church in Bristol and a little sort of network of small churches that come under us um, of mainly younger people. Uh, So we came out of the parish system about 16 years ago and uh, in the whole sort of fresh expressions heyday uh, which is, uh, that's an interesting conversation, but for another time, <laughs> but, um, yeah, but so, uh, yeah, so we, we love our, our little church and our little churches. We love working with young people. Um, that's something we've done for many, many years. I love teaching theology. So, uh, I'm very fortunate to do the things that I enjoy. Fantastic. Well, Lucy, it's great to have you with us on GodPod. And um, we thought today, uh, one of the things that we all have in common on this um, 
discussion, Jane, Michael, uh, Lucy, and myself, is that we've all been involved in theological education for many, many years. And um, uh, it's something that has been on our minds. We think about it quite a lot. Uh, Jane and I have clearly been involved in St. Melitis for many years. Um, Michael's been at Wycliffe. For how long have you been at Wycliffe as the principal there, Mike? Uh, seven years now. They haven't rumbled me yet. Seven years, goodness me. Yeah, that's right, exactly. And of course, Mike was at St. Melitis before. And I was at Wycliffe before him. So, um, so we have a bit of a sort of, you know, interweaving history there. And of course, Lucy has extensive experience at uh, WTC, Westminster Theological Centre. And they're all three institutions, Wycliffe, St. Melitis, WTC, are all doing different things in different ways, but all contributing to the, um, the, the picture of, of theological education at the, across the church. And so I wonder whether to start off with, it might be good just to get each of us to say a little bit about in the years that we've been involved in, of theological education. What are the main things we've learned about, or the main sort of convictions that have come to us about what the church really needs uh, from its theological educators and theological education? Um, so what the church needs, and I suppose also what church leaders uh, need um, as they go forward in that. So, um, um, Michael, should we start with you? Yeah, I'm very happy to. Uh, I think Three, three things. I mean, I suspect there's a whole lot of things that we would all have in common uh, on our lists. And, um, but I, I've gone for the things that I think are slightly distinctive. Um, the first one, probably not. I think we'd all agree on, on this. But the, the need for depth. As I, as I go around churches in the country, I think people are crying out for some depth in the teaching and the thinking that sustains their worship and their mission. Um, and uh, I, I long to train people to give people the depth that they're crying out for. I think all too often they're given a diet um, of fast food, effectively, um, rather than really good, nourishing, sustaining, uh, nutritious teaching. Um, so that's, I think, the first thing. The second thing is I, I long, one of our intellectual, uh, our academic virtues at, at Wycliffe is um, intellectual fearlessness. I long for our students to be unafraid to explore, to engage, because if, if this stuff is true, it's going to stand up to any analysis, any evaluation, uh, any critique. And therefore, we've got nothing to lose from engaging with people who disagree with us, people who uh, strongly disapprove of what we believe and stand for and we've got everything to gain from that because there are people made in the image of God and therefore we could learn something about God through them. Um, and then thirdly I think kind of outward lookingness. I think too often our theological training has prepared people for life in the church and not life having an impact beyond the church and in the wider society. Um, and we speak an internal language. We speak the dialect of the tribe, not the language of people. I think we uh, share assumptions and therefore, which, which the wider society does not share. And we've got to uh, learn to make a case for the Christian faith that doesn't depend on the assumptions that are internally shared, um, but we've got to go and make a case outside um, of that. That's why I think, um, it's really important that the church maintains its link with the universities because in the universities, if people's, people are doing a course while training for ordination, for instance, uh, 
they have to make a case, make their case to people who may not share their assumptions. They do that within a supportive, worshipping, committed community, but they're forced to, to make a case and, and um, not rely upon uh, the fact that everybody else internally agrees with it. So those are, I think, the three things. Depth, intellectual fearlessness, and, and outward looking. One of the things I instituted at which was think all the principles are where we just get somebody to come and talk about their research from the university whatever that might be um, I try and get as many people who are not Christians come come do that as possible so that people get used to engaging interestingly and interestedly with anything that's thrown in front of them they look they get used to engaging uh, graciously with people they disagree with and don't see eye to eye with um, I think that's been a, a, a really important part of what I've tried to foster here. Great, thank you, Michael. Eloquent as ever, wonderful. Um, Lucy, should we go on to you? What are your what are, what are you? Yeah, you um, thanks, <coughs> Michael. I I really enjoyed those um, three points. I'll stick with three because it's a good number. Um, I think that I think that WTC is situated in a particular constituency with because we serve we tend to serve um, mostly independent charismatic um, churches in this country and and some Pentecostals and so from that perspective what do I see as um, what I think is valuable and um, I think that the three things for me, um, how I'd answer at the moment is, I'd say, I think it's really important for Christians to understand their history and um, that it's not something you pick up in church. So you, you don't understand who you are as, as in the last 2000 years. Um, and evangelicals and evangelical charismatics tend to kind of concertina history, you know, so they'll look back to um, Pentecost or the church that they see in Acts and then they'll sort of imagine that, oh, that's telling us exactly how church should be. And so I see a really important role for theological educators to be historians and to help um, Christians understand who they are in the grand history of the church as well as all the denominations. So that's the other issue I think with evangelical charismatics is they tend to be a bit myopic in terms of oh isn't the, the church you know they'll say the church whereas in fact they just mean their little tiny patch of church that they live in um, not really thinking about the Roman Catholic Church and the various orthodox uh, expressions of church um, as well as everything else so um, history is very important to me and history in general I think we're, we're not actually very historically literate um, and I think that's a, a huge impoverishment really for us um, and then the second thing again probably linked to where I'm working is nuance and um, I think that studying scripture well um, should lead us into nuance and a nuanced expression of our faith. So um, I, I think often people in, like to be 
black and white because it gives them a sense of security. And I like, as a systematic theologian, I love to talk through with my class about why systematic theologians might say things are non-negotiable or you know pinned out put stakes in the ground and sort of say oh this is what the church believes and why do we do that and where are there lines where can we draw them and then where are, where should there be nuance and where should there be a more complex understanding of the faith so i think that's really important and i don't again i don't think that that comes just from church life and sermon on a Sunday um, it needs a deeper engagement and then the last thing I would say is honesty and just creating spaces where Christians can ask um, honest express honest questions and ask honest things because I think that um, Christians have a bit of a tendency to uh, to adopt language and belief and say and then think oh well I don't want to be wrong or I mustn't say this and actually the classroom should be a place where people can bring all their um, questions and doubts and things that they've you know that haven't sat well with them for many years and and be able to talk all of that through and so um so those are the three things for me that I would say are really important that can only happen in a college that don't really happen so much in church. Yeah, history and a nuanced approach to theology and an honesty in approach. Brilliant. Thank you, Lucy. Fantastic. Jane, any thoughts from you? I, mean, I think we do all have a huge amount in common in what we're saying here. I think um, uh, I, I think I would want to say, as you all have, as you both have in other ways already said, um, God. <laughs> um, I, I, um, the the um, writer on mysticism, Evelyn Underhill, I quote this the whole time. She, she once wrote to the archbishops back at the turn of the 20th century saying, God is the interesting thing about religion. And the world is hungry for God. And so I think um, the, the primary thing I, I would love um, any student I have anything to do with um, uh, to encounter is is the excitingness of God uh, that you're never going to get uh, you're never going to run out of things to discover about God that you're never going to run out of things to um, uh, wonder about and and to be filled with um, glory and excitement so I'd love people to think how huge and exciting it is to encounter God um, and uh, and as Mike said I mean I think we've often made people feel that they can somehow do a good job as a Christian without really finding God very exciting. <laughs> and that's just such such a shame. So um, I, I, that's where I would want to start is that people really get a sense of um, how glorious it is to be able to encounter God and think about God and, um, and, and therefore then the inevitable connection between um, thinking and praying, because if you're talking about God, then you're talking about um, the one who calls us to worship. So I think that connection between um, uh, studying and praying and, and the fact that most theologians before 10th century wouldn't have assumed that you could separate those out. I've picked that date fairly randomly. <laughs> um, but that the pray and to study, um, if you're talking about God, have to go together. And then... Um, 
Am I allowed four? I know we're doing three each, but I'm going to do four. Um, and then I think that leads into this um, uh, understanding that God, well, I'm going to put it quite strongly, that God isn't actually very interested in the church. Um, God doesn't live in churches. Um, God is the God of the whole world. And therefore, again, compelling Christians to, as Mike said, to be, to be willing to engage with um, the world because it's God's and because... Uh, if we think that uh, um, we're only going to encounter God in churches, we haven't read the Bible or um, prayed well or done, done our systematic theology well. So, so again, that um, compulsion um, to share the good news because the good news is just so exciting. Um, uh, and then I suppose the other one um, that I think is is really a part of discipleship and theological education is is um, helping us understand ourselves better. Um, uh, so I, I want to use the word formation, which is the, the word that um, uh, the Church of England uses about its kind of training, is, is what kind of people are we becoming? Um, and how do we increasingly try to get out of the way? So that when we're, when we're actually sharing um, God with each other, with ourselves, with, in our prayer, we're not the whole time just talking about ourselves, which is our great tendency, I think. But um, so, yeah, that, I think I, I could go on as we all could <laughs> with a very much longer list, but um, I'll stop there. What about you, Graham? Thank you, Jane. Yeah, well, um, yeah, I mean, how, how do I add to three brilliant statements about um, theological education? I, mean, I, I suppose I can, think, I can go back to something that's, um, uh, Martin Luther said about um, the reading of the Bible and um, theological study. It always comes back to Martin Luther with me, usually with Augustine to Jane and um, um, the problem of evil to Mike, you know, so <laughs> we're going along sort of normal tracks here. But um, he, he once said that um, there's three things you need to do when you when you read the Bible. The, the Latin words you use were um, uh, oratio, meditatio, tentatio. So um, the first one was, was prayer. Um, and uh, I think it's tying in with what Jane was saying. It seems to me in our theological education, a kind of prayerful wisdom, uh, a rootedness in prayer, a kind of uh, an ability to approach every issue that you deal with in ministry or in life in a prayerful connectedness to God. So we're not just doing it in a pragmatic, what's the easiest way to tackle this? But, you know, what is God saying to us about this? And just building in that life of prayer into the whole of, um, of what we do. That seems to be a crucial thing in theological education that we teach people to pray. Uh, and not just, you know, pray in the morning, just and then let the rest of the day go on, go on as normal, but to have a kind of prayerful approach to life um, and ministry. So uh, that sort of prayerful wisdom seems to be the first thing. Second thing, I think, um, I mean, Luther talked about meditatio, meditation, by which he meant uh, that long, slow um, meditation upon scripture. For him and I think that's tying into what Mike was saying about theological depth it's um, what Lucy's talking about in terms of, of history and nuance it's um, an ability to know the Christian tradition that's knowing the Bible it's knowing how people have read the Bible over the years knowing the strands of Christian thinking that have gone on you're going to put your deep your, your roots deep into uh, scripture and the way in which the church has thought about scripture over the years and and that takes time it, it's not it's not quick um, and that goes on in theological colleges and 
courses it goes on you know all the way through life and so therefore theological training and institutions like the ones that we've been involved in they need to kind of set habits of long-term study that that um, allow you know people to get to the heart of uh, of issues in the light of scripture so um that's the second thing was meditatio and the third one which is which is slightly odd one is tentatio temptation is what luther talked about you know you need temptation in um theological education i think what he meant by that was that that uh, it's all very well knowing stuff in theory in your head, but it has to be tested. It has to be stress tested, if you like, in life and in ministry and in um, the, you know, the, the kind of nitty gritty of, 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 of actual ministry and dealing with people and everything else. Um, and um, so that's, that's another thing. I think this, it needs that kind of practical wisdom that takes the sort of prayerful wisdom and the intellectual theological meditation on scripture and helps people to learn how to kind of embed that in practice, which is why I think that link between kind of ministry and theology is one that we need to kind of keep, um, keep aware of. So our theology doesn't just become, you know, done in one part of our brain and our people's ministry happens in another part of their brain. The two aren't really connected, but they're somehow connected to each other. Um, and I suppose that's partly, you know, one of the ideas behind Somalitis and the way of doing training where people are training while they're doing ministry uh, and so on. So I suppose those, those three things, you know, prayerful wisdom, a sort of theological wisdom, and if you like a practical wisdom that comes from engaging with the Christian life, trying to live as a Christian, succeeding sometimes, failing sometimes, and then trying to work out <coughs> your theology in the, the, um, the, the practicalities of life and ministry. Now those all seem to me some crucial things in, in theological education. So there we are, our first uh, RM little stab at it. Um, anyone want to kind of take the conversation further from here? Mike, it looks like you like you're on the edge of your seat. Well, I, I um, very much appreciated your uh, rhetorical question. How, do, how would I follow three wise statements? Uh, thankfully, you'll never know. Um, <laughs> uh, but I was, I, I'm just observing that you would have thought that some of these things point in different directions. One might have thought that uh, the connectiveness with prayer, which I didn't mention but absolutely passionately share, might be in tension with the outward lookingness of what I was um, advocating. But actually, we need that outward lookingness in our prayer, in our worship as well. It, it, there's no, nothing worse about the claustrophobia of a kind of inward looking act of worship uh, that is, has not opened its doors to the world, that is not bearing the pains and realities and questions and agonies of the world on its hearts as it, as it prays, as it comes to God. It isn't actually linking the world and God in the way that um, we are called in the priestly way that we are called to do. Yeah. I was also really struck by what Lucy was saying about um, how in practice so many of us inhabit one little bit of the Christian world and think it's the whole of it. Um, and so I think Lucy's sort of challenged about how um, about um, opening up our eyes to to history is is hugely important history and to scripture. It's, it's one of the things that um, has been striking about during this lockdown period is how many people um, are, are signing up for Bible studies and courses of all kinds. There is a, a longing for the kind of depth and um, uh, opening up of doors that you both, both Lucy and Mike were talking about there. 
One of the things that I just on that, Jane, because I mean, we've noticed the same. I think all of us have noticed, haven't we, that people are, are accessing or joining in with church and looking at free courses that we're offering and all sorts of things and listening to podcasts. And one of the things I was just thinking as I was listening to you all and looking at us all, and I was thinking, we all, we, we're all in a system where people come and learn in classrooms and write essays and we mark them. And I'm just, I'm just wondering really genuinely what you think about what, what are the best ways of educating the church and are we 100% committed to this and if so why and what is, you know, what's the value of coming to a college and sitting in a classroom and writing an essay and having it marked in your spiritual formation. Because um, I, I think I've thought through some of those things, and I'm really sure that you all have as well, because you're still in it. Um, and I, I think it's one of the questions that Christians must ask, in a way. You know, why why is not praying at home and going to church enough? What what are, what do we think we're doing that's more? I think we should ask the bishop that. <laughs> the, re the reason we're all still in it. Lucy, of course, is because we can't get jobs anywhere else. <laughs> well, I suppose, I, I suppose it, you know, for me, there's a kind of continuum between what happens in theological colleges and the rest of the church. Well, there should be anyway. Um, but often think, you know, the, the original meaning of the word theology, certainly in, in um, kind of more sort of Greek Eastern traditions, uh, was theology was the highest form of prayer. It was a it was about the knowledge of God. It wasn't about an academic subject uh, where you write essays and, and get marks and get a degree, but it was about knowing God. Um, and I think I want to hold on to that sense that, that every single Christian is invited into this adventure of, of knowing the God who made us and who loved us and who sent his son and his Holy Spirit into the world and so on. So, um, so that, that, that it seems to me is, is, is why theology matters for the whole church, that it's about knowing the God who, who made us. I mean, there's a, another part of that question, which is, you know, is there a purpose in going to colleges and writing essays and getting degrees? And I suppose one of the, um, I think what I would say about that is that it's part of the discipline of, of, um, of ordering your thoughts well. The more you go into this, the more you uh, press into this study of scripture, of history, of um, tradition and everything else, the more you need to kind of think clearly express yourself and, and you know thinking is, is also about expression it's all tied up in it and there's something about the discipline of writing an essay um writing down your thoughts ordering them um engaging with other people's ideas uh that's kind of what an essay is that is quite a healthy thing to do and so it can feel like a bit of oh, well they have got to write essays but it seems to me that's the purpose of it is to help us think more clearly communicate more clearly interact with each other which is what you were talking about lucy uh, you know, making sure we do interact with other people. And Mike was talking also about that intellectual fearlessness. And um, that's why we get people to read lots of things that they don't necessarily agree with um, and interact with it and try to make an argument on it. And I think the other thing that we've kind of learned a little bit from lockdown is the need for direct contact with people. We, the reason we go to a college or a community or, or whatever is because and as a lecturer, it pains me to admit it, but most people learn most 
not through the lectures, but through <laughs> their interactions over lunch, over supper, over the pool table. Not, not over breakfast by and large, they tend to be a bit support crawl here at Wycliffe. Um, but it's through the engagements that you have. And uh, I, my sense is that people are crying out for that face-to-face -face engagement with one another. Mm. Uh, and and in the and in the classroom lecturer or whatever that it matters we are physical beings and physical proximity matters to the process of engaging and learning and relating um and and learning more about the god in whose image the other person is and i am um, and from whom therefore we have much to learn from each other but i i do also i think that lucy has a point i think it's um i think it's sort of a historical accident that we now put so much emphasis on writing essays and um and i do and um, when one knows for example in on the continent that if you're that very often you are asked to to, to defend verbally defend a thesis mm. um and i i do wonder if we've actually produced generations of christians who can write really good essays but are not very good at uh, a conversation <laughs> um and so I, I, I do wonder if we need to be beginning to build a bit more of that back into um, our, our, our theological education. It's actually, we do need people to read. We do need people to be able to encounter ideas that are not their own. We do need people um, to be challenged uh, to put things in order. Um, but uh, but it, uh, um, an essay is an increasingly artificial <laughs> communication form, isn't it? No. Um, I, I, I don't know what I think until I've written something, so, but that's, I'm a product of that particular um, educational system. Yeah, me too. I have to write everything down, <coughs> um, but I have two, at least two children who would have loved to have been examined orally and just spoken. Yeah. They, they would have loved that and would have done much better. Which is, of course, the way that the Oxford and Cambridge began, wasn't it, by having oral examinations um, and still happens in the viva but you have just written a hundred thousand words <laughs> rather <laughs> long essay of course but, yeah we're working with so many people who actually express their faith through speaking more than writing aren't we i think all of us are and so that's an interesting idea of if we if we are training and forming generations to express their faith are there this is just me thinking this is interesting because i now i'm thinking are there other ways now mm. that we can encourage them to express what they're learning mm. in it that will be really fruitful for their ministries and and their workplaces and their families and things like that it strikes me that an essay, <laughs> i think an essay is a good intellectual discipline but it's not the only intellectual discipline mm. i think we've over over emphasized the essay I think we've kind of, you know, almost think that's the only way in which you can express. Uh, and, it, you know, an essay tests your ability to understand complexity, to kind of put together uh, an argument. But it doesn't always test your ability to express things simply. And simply simplicity is also one of the goals of theological education. It reminds me of a, a friend of mine, I think, who, who, um, who did, a P, did a PhD in theology and uh, went, to, went to do his viva um, was told he passed the, the PhD, was got in a taxi at the end of it, got to go back to the station and uh, got into conversation with the taxi driver and the taxi driver, you know, asked him what he was doing and he said, I just come into this thing. And um, and uh, when he found out this this person in the back of his taxi was a vicar, he said, oh, well, I've always wanted a vicar in my taxi. What's all this Christianity about then? And 
my friend suddenly was flummoxed. He had no idea what to say. Um, he just put, completed 100,000 words of, of, of dissertation on the aspect of theology, but com confronted with the opportunity in 30 seconds to say what Christianity was at its heart, he just did not know what to say. It was a real kind of wake-up call for him that he emphasised one aspect of theological education, but not the other. Mm. Um, that yes, the, the ability to understand complexity, to kind of make an argument is an important thing, but also the ability to communicate simply, clearly in the language of ordinary people is another thing that we, we, that we don't emphasise as much as we might do. I think that's true, although I think that's not the fault of the essay. I think a simple, uh, that simplicity is a virtue in an essay. Yeah. I think, I think yeah. what I'd say is, is not taught by the essay is the ability to think on your feet. Mm. Uh, and that kind of mental facility is something that is perhaps better done orally. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And it reminds, I was speaking to a young man um, the other day who's going to come and do some teaching with us, and he said that when he, he got collared by um, a pastor in Sheffield. So he was doing some training in Sheffield, theological um, training in Sheffield at the university and started going to a church uh, with a Ghanaian pastor. And this Ghanaian pastor said to him, if you're studying theology, you need to be preaching. So you're going to start preaching at my church. <laughs> and he said his first sermon was awful. And he just, the, the congregation didn't understand the word he was talking about but that under this under the pastor's training as well as his training at the university he was formed you know as someone who could articulate his faith and I, I thought that was this was only a couple of weeks ago and I thought that's interesting you know that that he was um forced to by this pastor who sounds brilliant to say if you're doing theology you should be preaching um, which is just another interesting thing to and, throw in there. And the great theologians did, didn't they? Augustine's sermons, we yeah. still have uh, plenty of those. Um, Karl Barth used to go and preach in prison, in Basel prison, week by week. I'm not quite sure what they made of it, but it, it was part <laughs> of their formation. Um, it, it's, it's been one of the standard ways in which theology is done. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and therefore, actually, this, and that's, that um, and that probably does test simplicity and a little bit the ability to think on your feet, um, mm -hmm. having to speak it. And actually, the main place in which we speak theology is probably not the, the viva; it is actually the pulpit. Mm. Um, therefore, you know, theology that can't be preached is again something that not very good theology. Mm. And that's one of the tests of it. One of the things I sorry, Jane. Again, I mean, on the whole, in a pulpit, you're preaching to people who've chosen to be there, and therefore. Um, might um, already be on your side um, and yeah. I think there is also I think a, a taxi driver is a really good challenge maybe we should put all people in theological education um, in taxis regularly yeah. and <laughs> straight out. after they've done their PhDs yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure Minister Division would pay for the transport well thing. there is that <laughs> exactly but I think um, yeah. Yeah, I think that, that, that's exactly right. One of the things we sometimes do in our preaching training is not a sermon, but a radio interview and mm. just fire questions at people reasonably randomly and see how they respond, how they react, whether they th can think on their feet and mm. think clearly and express themselves separately. Yeah. Well, we've um, been going for about uh, half an hour, which is our normal time of um, Godpod, and it's been a fascinating discussion just to get a sense of what um, matters in theological education. Uh, it's always a fast-moving kind of world, 
uh, the world of theological education for the church. And um, uh, it's, it'll be fascinating to see how it develops over the coming years as well. So um, Lucy, particularly, it's great to have you with us and thank you for your, um, you. your fascinating wisdom on it. And um, blessings for you as you carry on working at uh, WTC. Thank you. Great. Uh, nice to see you, Jane and Michael. And you. Very good to see you, Graham. Very good. So uh, I'm sure we'll be back with another God Pod before very long. And until then, uh, have a good time wherever you happen to be. And uh, we will be back again uh, with another of these discussions uh, very soon. Bye-bye. That was God Pod, a podcast from St Paul's Theological Centre. If you want to send us a question, just email it to godpod at htb.org. We can't promise to answer all the questions you send in, but we'll certainly try.